I would tell people that I was fundamentally lazy if I didn't really uh, push myself and, and beat myself up. The reason I was doing it was because it's what I felt I needed to do in order to achieve excellence. And my desire for excellence was bigger than my desire for feeling peace and calm and happiness. Welcome to the Emotional Fortitude Podcast. How to build the emotional fortitude to win in life and in business. No fluff, just real-world results. I'm your host, Ida Marmorani, ex-Israeli Special Forces, former undercover agent, jiu-jitsu black belt, and mindset expert. Today, I'm here with John Ainsworth. John Ainsworth is the founder of Data Driven Marketing. They're pretty much the best in the game in helping people with online courses two to 5x their income and helping them become millionaires. And on top of that, John is a very intense dude in some ways. He's very, very adamant about achieving excellence and mediocrity really pisses him off in his own words. And John is also an alumni of both the arena program and the one-on-one coaching. He was actually one of the very first, we were the client number two that I ever worked with. And since then, we took some pause after that. Then he joined the arena. And I'm really happy to have him on board. We're going to be talking about some very interesting things today, all the way from why self-loathing and trying to push yourself harder and kind of beat yourself up actually isn't helpful what enables some people to let go of that and why knowing what to do is only 10% of actually being able to succeed. So with that said, appreciate you being here, John. Welcome. Thank you very much. Glad to be here. Cool. So in your own words, man, I'd love for you to say like before the coaching in the arena, after the arena, what's the result and what you can share with the people, obviously. Yeah. So there's a number of things I'd struggled with for quite a long time and a lot of them were things that it's it's not just that it was an issue it's that i was almost deliberately causing the issue because of beliefs i had about the way the world should be so i had this total belief like absolute certainty and i, I tell people this as like a you know in a, in a joking manner because it's like oh isn't this ridiculous but it's but it's definitely true i would tell people that i was fundamentally lazy if i didn't really uh push myself and and beat myself up and that's why i did it and so i had a lot of friends who'd be like why are you so hard on yourself like this is really aggressive and unpleasant and nasty um and it's not making you happy and i would still do it because the reason they had for wanting me to not do it was because they didn't like me being nasty to myself but the reason i was doing it was because it's what I felt I needed to do in order to achieve excellence. And my desire for excellence was bigger than my desire for uh, feeling peace and calm and happiness. And one of the things that I got out of this was realizing that, first of all, I actually wasn't fundamentally lazy. This was built on uh, uh, just a a series of like things I'd remembered that you, you could have looked at a different way. You could have like just not seen it that way, but I just had, I just kind of built this into myself and the way it started, <clears throat> I never really worked hard at school. Um, and then I, but I re- always really wanted to succeed, but I just like, couldn't bring myself to, to ever work hard at school. And I kind of didn't really know exactly why. And then I started doing this job. Uh, working out in the States, selling bookstore to door. 
and it's a brutally hard job. Like you work 80 hours a week, uh, minimum and uh, commission only. Like you, they, they give you all the training, but there's no guaranteed money from it. Um, door to door sales, very hard job to do. And at that time, somewhere in there from somebody, I picked up this um, ability to like motivate myself by, by really focusing on the fear of regret. And so being like, if you don't do this thing, then you're going to really be pissed off with yourself afterwards. And so I would just, I kind of learned somewhere in there, this approach that seemed to work in terms of increasing motivation to do stuff. And so I was just like, ah, oh, that's what I need. And kind of that, at that moment, like that got baked yeah. into my head of like, this is the way that you do it. Anytime that you don't reach the standard that you want to reach, you give yourself just intense and unbelievable amounts of shit about it until eventually you're like, all right, I'll fucking do it, you know? And what I eventually realized was I wasn't fundamentally lazy because fundamentally lazy people don't start doing 80 hour a week. <laughs> <laughs> and there's tons of shit that i'd done before that was like you know i used to do um i was already doing marathons in my spare time at that point and i was like uh would you know when i was working in jobs i would work really hard the stuff with school i realized afterwards in university was i was just bored it was it was too easy and i knew that if i just worked for like i worked for three months worked hard for three months before my GCSEs, like the exams you do in England when you're 16 and got straight A's. And then I didn't work hard again until the last year of university and then got a first, which is the, the top grade here. So I kind of had just, I just knew that I could get by with it. And so somewhere in there, I'd kind of baked this thing in and that caused two problems. One was that the self-aggression was it was just the nastiness of it. So it was un that was unneeded. So it wasn't helpful. But the second thing was that I realized as well is that actually it was harmful. Yeah. And so I was, I was actually making myself less able to succeed by doing the nasty thing in order to cause myself to succeed more. And then that crossed over into other parts of life as well. So personal life as well, I would just like constantly think back to like, what was it I did before? that wasn't good enough, that I didn't do well enough and give myself shit about it in order to cause motivation. And it stopped me from thinking, well, what am I going to do better now? How am I going to improve this? And you know, how am I going to do better? And actually getting into a, a, a better kind of flow state as well. So that's the, that was the biggest thing that, that came out of the whole process. There are others as well. We can talk through if you want, but yeah, I, yeah. I want to dig into that, but just before, before we dive into this to give people, I love to give people a synopsis of like what's possible. First thing, because mm. we're going to dig in, we're going to say this is not going to be the easiest thing to do, but it can absolutely give you amazing results. <laughs> Are there any kind of like tangible results that you're willing to care for people to show? Like this is what happened to me because of this. So let's achieve yeah. when okay. I let go of that, so so people can say this is what's on the other side. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I've been able to do because of that, because of letting go of that aggression, is I'm able to work in a much more much more kind of in alignment with what my actual strengths are. So I've got more focus, more energy when I'm working because I've not got this kind of just exhaustion from the, from the self-aggression. 
there's definitely like on a personal level, there's a mo lot more peace and calm and it's a lot less Great. unpleasant just being myself, you know, which was, which was a kind of a constant feeling. Um, and one of the things I've seen, like from a work point of view, one of the things I'm really good at that I, I maybe didn't focus on enough because I, I felt like it wasn't, I don't know, what's the right way of explaining it. It, it almost felt like there's, you know, there's certain things that you're really good at, like the whole uh, zone of genius concept, yeah. right? The things that you're really, really good at. And they feel sometimes like cheating because it's like, well, of course I can do that. Yeah. That's easy. You know, <laughs> so let me and do the hard things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have to be, I, because I'm beating myself up so much. I'm like, I need to go do whatever's difficult. And the thing that I would see that other people would do is do a lot of tasks, get really busy, achieve a lot of stuff themselves. A lot of people starting businesses. And I would see that they would, that when people start a business like that, and we know lots of people who kind of fit that mold, they would tend to move forward very quickly. And I would feel like I should be doing more of that. I should be doing that because that's, that's the thing that that's how it's, that's like the harder thing that's less comfortable for me. And, and I know that that would move things forward. Like immediately if I did more things. Yeah. So uh, I was, uh, and I hope you're here with me saying this. I would love, is there any tangible results you can share? Like the business was first here, then it got to there. Yeah. So I was kind of like, looking and I want to say why. Yeah. Because what you said is that the, you were able to let go of that, not just because it made you feel better, because that's what other people wanted and you didn't buy into it, but because it actually gave you better results. And mm. that's what I think most people are afraid to let go of this kind of like the self, like beating themselves up or whatever it may be, because they think this is actually going to get me a better external result. And that's what I'm more focused on right now, regardless if it's the right thing to focus on or not. Yeah. And what I would really appreciate is if you'd be willing to share that, because I think that would dissipate a lot of that for some people. Be like, okay, it actually can get you better also external results. Yeah. I mean, so I'll give some really specific details and then like overall business kind of numbers. So for the last four months now, so I, a part of this process was me letting go of doing sales, which was something that I had, um, done for many years for the business. I didn't want to do it, but I felt like, oh, that's what you, your job is. You have to do that. And I handed that over to somebody in my team and I started letting go of the needing to do the difficult things and started getting more into the flow of how I work in terms of helping improve systems. And as a result of that, um, I'm firstly, I'm out of sales, which is great. But secondly, the person who's running it is running it way better than I was. Like she's following the system where I wouldn't, I would never fucking follow the system because I was <laughs> too, too smart or something, you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> and I worked with her part of the process of what I'm really good at is working on like refining, refining, refining processes. And so I've worked with her on refining that and she's closed our, our conversion rate on sales used to be 44%. And it's been a hundred percent close rate for four months now. Wow. Um, and I'm not doing it. So that's a big move forward. We've also had, uh, record months, um, November, December, January, and February looks to be like it probably will be one as well. Um, we've awesome, made, <laughs> we made more profit, uh, in the first two months of this year than we made, like after all my wages and everything, like I wasn't like, I wasn't paying myself or anything, yeah. but after all of that, uh, more profits in the first two months of this year than we made in the whole of last year. So that's amazing. First off, congrats, man. That's awesome. Thank Super you. Happy for you. First off. And like, 
But I hope everybody's listening. That's what's possible when you do this. It kind of didn't encapsulate a lot of what John was saying is that, and I heard you use the word should. I feel like what I should be doing. Mm-hmm. And we should be doing it's a lot of times it's not a logical, it's not the rational thing that, that we're supposed to be doing. It's just this insecurity that we're trying to feed, that we're trying to fight. Like, oh, I should do this because uh, that's the hard thing. But that's a smart thing. And when we have these insecurities pulling at us, we're not able to employ our logic. They overpower them sometimes. And emotionally, like the actions we do, they actually serve the kind of emotional gap that we have inside us instead of actually serving the outcomes that we say we want because we're more actually connected to those insecurities. Mm. And that's really what I would love for everybody from this podcast to get because it's such a beautiful example of like what you've been, I didn't know you've been able to accomplish this much month after month after month since then. But when you let go of that, that's where it can go and you enjoy life more, mm-hmm. which is a really nice cherry on top. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Cool. If so, I'd been focusing, like I tried to before on the enjoying life more, I just, I just knew it wasn't, I think I've heard you'd say something similar as well. It's like, if you, you thought that letting go of the chip on your shoulder was going to stop you from succeeding. So you're like, well, I'm going to hold on to it then. And it's like, yeah. well, I want to, like, I need that. Like, I can't just go through life and not be a good son. Like I need it more than I need happiness. Yeah, I think it's the way I look at it. It's like you hold different values than some people. Like I know some of the people that you mentioned that told you, like, John, we would really like to see you just be more happy. They hold different values. Like one of the key things that you're connected to the most is achieving excellence. Mm. That's something that's really important for you. And, it, and it's not just coming from a place of trying to make up for something else. It's not that. It's just that's your natural level of ambition. And some of those people I know who you're speaking of, that's not their core value. So therefore, they were telling you, listen, give up one of your core values, which is achieving excellence. And you thought having a chip on your shoulder was the vehicle to that. Give that up and then join our crowd. But they weren't actually speaking to what you wanted. Mm. It was to achieve excellence. And that's why I think in the arena, I remember there was one call when I said, like, John, you do recognize you're actually going to achieve more if you let go of this. Mm. It's not that you have to give this up and then you have to go, like, go play in the flower garden or whatever it may be, but this will actually help you achieve more. And then you're like, well then, okay, I'm open to it. If that's what it's going to help me. We're going to have this discussion. Yeah. 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 And I, it's, it was a, it was a point where I was like, okay, I'm open to the concept that that could be true, but I don't know that I actually believe it because that just seems like that would be too good. Life can't be that good. You know, <laughs> that would be great. I'd love it yeah. if I could do the things that I might naturally good at and like use the skills that I've got. Um, and not beat myself up and succeed more. That would be awesome. Cool. So I want to, I'd love to dig into that. So what do you think? So you said that you had resistance because you thought it was too good to be true. Mm-hmm. So what actually enabled you to break that shell, so to speak, what was the process that for you, it made it click and enabled you, okay, I'm going to let go of this, or at least I'm going to try to let go of this and experiment and see how it goes. I think a lot of it was just, well, I mean, it, the, the thing that's, starting to convince me that it's true is the is the trying it actually just to see well how does that work if i do that what is that like um i definitely had concerns about what certain people might think of me um if i mm. if i was like doing less day-to-day work in the business and focusing more on just the things that i was good at and so i went and had conversations with those people and was like uh what would you think do you agree with this and they were like, 
I don't even know what you're talking about. You're fine. <laughs> so it was like, one of them I talked to and I said to him, you know, one of my concerns is that you'd think I was, um, being lazy and not doing enough. If I was, if I'm doing work in this kind of way, cause it might look like I'm not, not bothered about it all when actually what I'm doing is trying to, I think this is where I can have the biggest impact. And he's like, Oh, if I thought you were lazy, I'd just tell you, you were lazy. Like I just, we don't need to have a conversation about that. I just tell you, you know, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So was it really just a matter of concern about others' opinions? You said, okay, if um, I can make sure that, that, well, that was one think- part of it. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, okay, well, is it true? Like, cause if I, if I do it and it's true, but then there's these other people's opinions as well. And that's kind of another, another part to it. So I've been, I've been doing it, you know, I've been, um, getting rid of tasks from on my list and handing them over to other people. Um, every time, pretty much every time that I do a task in the business, I do it with someone in the business, one of my team members and I show, and I get them to do it and I teach them how to do it, which takes longer, but then it's off my plate. And I love doing that. I love it. It's way, it takes less time for me to go do the thing, but I don't want to do it. I want to show somebody else and long-term it works that way better. And so I've been trying that out and being like, okay, this seems to keep making progress. This seems to keep working. It worked well in the sales. Okay. Where else is that going to work well as well? Um, and so that's a part of it. And I've had conversations with others about it who've maybe moved further along that kind of a, um, spectrum to see like, well, what, what's it like when you're not doing all the tasks, you're getting other people to do stuff and got feedback from them that yes, this is, this is valid. This works. This is a, you know, an approach that is effective is more effective in fact so it's a combination of a first a certain amount of trust of just going well let's at least give this a go and then trying it and getting feedback and uh letting go of the concern around other people's opinions as well yeah so it was like a feedback that kind of snowballed in positive direction yeah i'm trying to one of the things that um i've been trying to work on for the last uh i don't know year or so is speeding up the ooda loop I'm guessing with a military background, you know that term, but, uh, I do not. No? Okay. My, so my American... military background's in Hebrew as well. You've got to remember yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, um, somebody from the American air force who was like their top pilot for many, many years was like by far the best pilot they had. And he, they were trying to figure out like, he was trying to figure out how to explain to people what it was he was doing differently. And after he was the best pilot, he then went on to become the best general or something like that. And one of the things he did is this, this OODA loop, it's the observe, orient, decide, act. So it's how quickly can you look at the world, figure out what's going on, adapt the way that you're working, like, you know, the way that you view the world and understand how it is, decide what you're going to do, and then make an action in that direction, and then go back and notice again, how are things? And his point was, how quickly can you go through these, these OODA loops? How quickly can you manage when you're flying or when you're running business or whatever it is to, to reorient to the way things actually are. And so that's part of what I've been trying to use in this is like, okay, well, let me try doing this. Did it work? If it did work, let me refine based on that and then go again. I'd love to touch on this because I think there's something very interesting here because what I saw from my call it my vantage point because I was you're in your process. I was able to kind of see it from a distance mm-hmm. is that the first part of that I said is observation. 
most people do not see, do not, they're not able to observe the reality for what it actually is. They have these kind of tinted glasses because of their past experiences, because of the beliefs that they form. And regardless if sometimes they know these glasses might not be true, they're at least comfortable for them because mm -hmm. it's familiar. It provides a level of certainty. And I think for you for a while there, because I know you've had people around you that said like, from also from a pragmatic perspective, this isn't helpful. You should let go of these things. And like you said, I know I should be doing my zone of genius, but you had a fear of changing those glasses and then seeing the world mm -hmm. for a different reality, observing a different reality. And I would love to dive into that. What made you from when you experienced this, what do you think enabled you to say, okay, this is scary to say, okay, I think this is what I, I really want to succeed. And this chip on my shoulder is enabling that. And it's going to be scary to let go of that. But what enabled you to make that kind of courage that even though it was scary, you recognized I might not be seeing reality for what it is. I'm going to do it anyway. Well, I mean, that's the point of the arena, right? Is like taking you through what all of those steps are. So I think it was the, so the process of, first of all, identifying that that was an issue was a great starting point, but it's not enough because just knowing it doesn't allow you to let go of it. Like you've, if you've spent 22 years holding on to this belief, you can't just go, Oh, okay, cool. I'll let go. It's like, it's not, and that's not an easy thing to do. So then what we'd done was then work through, why do I believe that? What is it that's causing me to believe that this is true? And is that thing that I'm, um, is that thing that I, is stopping me from believing something different? Is that, is that true? Like actually digging yeah. into it and being like, does this actually exist? Is this really how the world is? Um, what, what evidence is there one way or the other? How can I look at if that's, if that's true or if that's false, yeah. that was emotionally very difficult, that process. Um, because like my, the, I wrote out the belief for myself of what I, what I thought and it said, John is lazy unless he punishes himself with internal pain and suffering. And it's like to actually stare that in the face and think about that is like, Oh, that makes me feel sick. I remember as we were going through the arena, I'd sometimes yeah. be like, I just start laughing and you're like, what's funny. I'm like, it's just hurts so much. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, that's, that's how I, that's how I sometimes, yeah. like, I sometimes react that that's way to, to the pain, you know, it's like, yeah. you know, like if you ever do heavy squats in the gym, and then you hear yourself like, I don't know if you make this noise, but I sometimes just go like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then I just laugh because I'm like, this is ridiculous, isn't it? Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> like this, this pain will go away. Don't worry about it. It's yeah. all good. But it still hurts, you know? Yeah. Um, can, I, can I add a ripple to that? Yeah. What's really important. I remember I workshopped with you once when we were in Mexico about this stuff. And you were in Mexico. So mm -hmm. we did a, a Zoom call. And... You asked me, sir, like, are we going to go over my limiting beliefs? And I was like, no, we're not doing any of that nonsense. Limiting beliefs are, it's, you're, these are the things, like how we said, there's a different distortions of reality. Mm -hmm. If you know that this is a limiting belief of yours, you kind of already are aware of it. Mm. And it's probably not going to be impactful. And what we did instead of it, we just flushed out and said, how do you think about the world? What are certain mm -hmm. beliefs that you hold? Yeah. And then you said, oh, if I don't beat myself up, then I'm lazy. And then we didn't ask, wait, is this limiting you? Is this holding you back? Would you like to change this into a more positive belief? We just said, wait, is this true or not? 
from a very black and white perspective. Is this true or is it not? Because once we said that this is false, it's not true, then it's like, damn, okay, I have to change my perspective on reality. Mm -hmm. I have to re entirely recalibrate how I see the world. And that's why, as you said, it was tiring. That's why. Mm -hmm. Because all of a sudden, you have to rewire how your brain sees reality and recognize mm -hmm. that, okay, I can live a lie, but because now I know it's a lie, or I must adjust to reality. And once you're able to make that adjustment to reality for what it is, not for how you felt it was, that's when you were make, able to make those OODA loops, OODA loops, mm -hmm. much, much yeah. faster because you were actually able to orient to the actual reality, not just your perception of it. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that was what's powerful, man. Cause I saw once you were able to do that and like, obviously once you saw reality for what it is, just get better results. Yeah. Yeah. And so the next step after kind of noticing that that was an issue, that that was something that was causing problems was, was identifying that it was the top one. So I had a whole bunch of things that like, okay, there's loads of stuff that I've got that actually is getting in the way, but we can't deal with everything all at once. So it was boiling it down to like, okay, there's, there's two or three things that are a really big deal that we're going to focus on that. And so that was the next step and boiling it down to that. So that really helped. And then yeah. was noticing, well, what is it that's actually, how can I tell when I'm getting into that state? Because it's really easy to have noticed it when you're in, you know, a workshop and you're discussing it. Not easy, but it's, it's much harder to have that awareness on an everyday basis, like to, to notice that you're falling into this pattern again of like going, you know, beating myself up, yeah. um, giving myself a hard time. That was, I've, I would find just the most, my brain would find the most interesting and creative ways of doing it. Like I would block one, you know, like a, at a tactical level, I'd be like, Damn. ah, this is a time when I, when I uh, beat myself up, that isn't useful. I'm going to stop doing that cool work on that. And I'd actually, I'd be effective at that. Like, it's not like I've not worked on this stuff over the years, but that was not the root cause of it. And so what would then happen was another, what my brain would invent a new way to do it. <laughs> like yeah. subconsciously it'd be working around. Oh, I found a new way to let this belief out, you know? Yeah. And it's interesting that you use that word because I actually wanted to chime in. You were saying I had to boil down. That was the top one. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the top one. It was actually the very foundation one. It was the root. Mm -hmm. And that was the thing from that root. There were a lot of different ways it manifested itself. Like yeah. doing this thing or this thing, but the, the whole thing we try to figure out in that process, what is the one lead domino, so to speak? What is the mm -hmm. root thing that if we were able to dissipate, everything else would be easier. And that's why like how you kept saying, like we have to peel the onion, peel the onion to get to that one and say, okay, this is really it. This is mm -hmm. the one that if we were to resolve this one, everything else would be easier because it's all stemming from here. Yeah. So I think it's a big thing for like anybody out there that says, I have a lot on my plate. I don't know what I should work on. What's the root cause? What's the lead domino? The one that mm. if it were to fall, everything else would kind of be irrelevant or at least very, very weakened. Cause yeah. like you, like everybody else, me, we all have other stuff as well, but when we can resolve the root things that are really powerful, we have the ability to deal with the other things. But if it's the root thing that's super powerful and there's also this other stuff, that's when we can really fall. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And in order to get there, it wasn't like an, a direct path to to that insight in the first place i'd worked with as we were going through the arena i was also working with a therapist i worked with her for probably about a year total 
and this was this was probably one of the the top things that I got from working with her was that she just said one day to me you keep saying this I don't think you're actually lazy and I was just like oh well this feels like a big deal you know and then I brought that along and like we discussed that yeah. in the arena and then like you'd you'd kind of unpicked it some more and then I got and talked to other people about it as well like this was that's one of the things I think with the arena that's like di the difficult part of it like it's not very long right you know it's whatever it's six weeks or something right and you do yeah. two sessions a week and they're like an hour hour and a half something like that it's not a lot of time but then it's the in between there's all of the emotional dealing with the out put from it and then like I would also do a lot of talking to other people about it and trying to unpick it and make sense of it and be like where is this and what is this and what is the the lead domino what is the center of the onion and then you're like oh shit have I just spent 22 years deliberately doing something that's been holding me back it's like let go of it John it's okay it's in the past <laughs> yeah. but it, it, it's a very common one the yeah. the fear of being lazy amongst entrepreneurs it's like the reality is to succeed in entrepreneurship you probably don't need a great road memory and that shouldn't be your fascination but that's what schools value some of us are able like Carrie mm -hmm. said like i was the same way i just wouldn't study all year and then just the day before the big test i'd pick up a textbook read it all night and then i would ace it and then i thought it was lazy and for me it was the same thing Somebody told me at a certain point, oh, you're just a really passionate individual. Like if you care about something, you go all out. But if you don't, you don't. I was like, huh, that's interesting. <laughs> I never thought about myself. I just thought I was lazy. Because mm. I also had the same thing as you. Like I saw a lot of my experience and the experience that you were going through as well. It's a very common thing for so many entrepreneurs. You'll see it all around. People mm. are trying to be hard on themselves because they're afraid they're lazy. And if they don't push themselves, they're going to fail because they're taking their experience from school or from other kind of work or job that they were completely uninterested in and not bought into emotionally. And they're attaching that this is just how they are, but this is just how they are in that context. You put them in yeah. another context with something they actually care about, like how you said, like they'll go to the nth degree, they run marathons, whatever it may be. I think the context yeah. of how we form these things is crucial. It's crucial to understand. I found that super helpful. We had that workshop the other day and the, I had the breakout room with two other entrepreneurs and both of them said they had the same experience that they thought they were lazy. And I was just like, Oh, when I thought this was just my thing, I was like, that feels like a big yep. deal when I'm like, Oh, it's just a thing. It's just, this is just the thing that's out there. It's not my fear. It's the fear. You know, so I was like, I can deal with that. If everybody has it, then it's, and I don't know exactly why it's not a camaraderie thing. It's more like a, Oh, this, this is surmountable. Cause if everybody's going through it, it's like the resistance, right? Once you know, the resistance exists, um, then it's, it's something you can be aware of and you can deal with when you think it's just that you are whatever lazy or something wrong with you, then that's like tricky to, to emotionally kind of cope with. Yeah. You think it's just like an inherent flaw that you have, not something yeah. that everybody deals with and you can deal with as well and overcome. Yeah. I remember when you gave me that book, uh, the gates of fire, gates of fire. and I was reading about, you know, these, uh, Spartan warriors dealing with fear. And it's like, they're the toughest warriors in the world. And they're like afraid all the time, but they just deal with it better. And they laugh about they it. Own and it. They talk about it. Yeah. They own it. That's like, that's the fascinating thing. Yeah. And that was like a, 
oh, okay, you're allowed to feel this. You don't have to try and deny this emotion. This doesn't mean that you're a weak person overall or something's wrong. It's like, no, it's just, that's the thing. It's like, and then yeah. you deal with it. Oh, oh, that's all right then, isn't it? I can do that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's called, the, it's called the weakness paradox. That basically by being willing to, again, right time, right place, being able to expose a weakness of yours and be willing to work on it and own it, that actually makes you stronger. Where most people, it, it, that, that's not inherent. That mm. doesn't inherently feel normal or safe or desirable to be vulnerable, or expose a weakness, whatever it may be. But the people, if you never expose that weakness, you never give yourself the opportunity to actually work on it and falsify it. Like how you said, like that was you saying, exposing, this is something that feels really uncomfortable to look at, that I have this belief that I'm lazy unless I really beat myself up, unless I'm mean to myself. But you being able to expose that, that's what gives you the opportunity to be really powerful because you can shed it. Most people just yeah. don't do that. Yeah. And nowadays, like I, I think about it every week. Like I go through, I've got the tracker from the arena and I check in with, um, with our friend Jody every week on it. I'm just like, okay, how am I doing against that? Am I do did I beat myself up that much this week? And it's, it's not just gone away, but it's easier to deal with it when I know it's not true and useful and I keep an eye on it and I talk about it and think about it and work on it. And it's like all of those things help make it into a, you know, something that you can, can deal with. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. I want to, I don't want to stretch the pod too long, but I do want to move into a couple other things. Sound good? Cool. Yeah. Cool. One thing you've said is that knowing what to do is only a tenth of the actual job. It's a tenth of the work. Uh, mm. I'd love for you to expand upon that. What you mean by that? What your thoughts are? Yeah. So most people, if you go work with a coach in most areas, let's say a fitness coach, right? Uh, or a nutrition coach, something like that. And they tell you, right, if you want to lose weight or bulk up or whatever, here's what you need to do. You've got to, let's say for me, so in the moment I'm, I'm working on um, bulking up and it's like, you need to eat this many calories, this much protein every day. It's like, great. That's nice and straightforward, except for the fact that there's an entire reality that doesn't want to fit with that. You know, it's like, okay, how am I going to do that? How many meals does that mean I'm having? At what times? Uh, what if... I, it comes time to eat one of the meals and I just really don't feel like eating. What do I do then? How am I going to make this into something that's actually, uh, that I am going to manage to do? What if I go out and everybody's drinking loads of, uh, cocktails that evening? How does that fit with it? What's going to happen the next day when I feel like, oh crap, I fell off the wagon a little bit there and I didn't hit the target. What about, and it's like just a thousand things, right? In reality, or if you're yeah. losing, if you're trying to lose weight, it's like, what if I really love donuts? What if there's somebody <laughs> that, you know, buys pizza and like, what yeah. do I do in that situation? What, if, you know, like there's all this, all of this is the actual work of, of making the change and like figuring out how are you going to deal with all of that? And most people who are giving advice or coaching just ignore all of that as if that stuff is just like, well, that's your, that's just, just do it. It's just like, oh, just do it. Great. Yeah. yeah. Why didn't I think of that? You know, why didn't everybody think of that as an issue? So if you're working with somebody on, um, so I used to work in behavior change. So I used to help people from hard to reach groups, cancer patients, over 65, disabled people get into physical activity. And my entire job was based around how do you do that? What support do people need? And not just at a logical level, 
you know, so for example, they need to know what activity, if they want to yeah. get into activity, they need to know what activity they're going to go to, but also some practical stuff. Okay. Well, how are they going to get there? What time is it? How are they going to feel when they get there? So we would introduce them to the instructor and we would introduce the instructor to them. We'd give them a free first session so they could attend. If they don't like it, we'd find them something else to do. Uh, then we would work with them on the behavior change side of things. So, okay, what's your motivation for doing it? What's your fears and your concerns? And we'd address those. What habits do you need to like all of this stuff is an entire field of work and, and it's vitally important. And nearly everybody just acts as if it doesn't matter as if it doesn't exist. And they go, oh, well, why didn't you just, it was just willpower. It's just determination. It's like, it's not, don't be ridiculous. <laughs> it's like, of course <laughs> those things help, but it's like, it's just not the case. And it's like, so I work out always and I've got friends who they struggle and sometimes they work out and sometimes they don't. It's like, okay, what I've done is I've created a situation for myself where it's easier to work out. Okay. So I, when I used to go to the gym, I would always choose a gym that was between my office and my home. So I couldn't go home without passing the gym. And I would pack the gym kit the night before. So you've got the gym kit with you and you're passing the gym. It's like, yeah. it's much easier to go to the gym when you're walking past it and you feel like, oh crap, I better go in than it is if you go home first and then you've got to go out again. And it's easier if you yeah. know people there and it's friendly and it's easier if it's doing an activity that you like. And it's like all of these things. And most people just like get upset with themselves because they didn't go do the thing and then they beat themselves up. And it's like, they don't have that kind of, you know, structure around it. And so what how did you've this done correlate in the to your experience? Is, sorry, sorry. good. Yeah, you're about, I think you were about to say, I was just about to ask that. The, the point with the arena is you've gone through this in so much detail. It's like, I just think it's going to, I don't know, I want to give you too big of a compliment here. So <laughs> <laughs> everyone listening, Itamar and my relationship is based around giving each other shit constantly. So <laughs> this is true. This is true. Um, I just think it's a total work of genius because it's like it's you start with overall what is it that you're trying to achieve and then you break it down into okay what is it that you that you currently believe that is stopping you from achieving it and then you go down and, and like which of those are the most important and then let's break it down into is that true or is that not true and then okay what's the issues that come up what's the triggers that you have that cause that, that allow you to notice when that's going on and then you dig down into like okay well what was it what would the world be like if you keep believing this thing and you go down that route or if, if don't, if you believe the opposite and you actually change your behavior in order to increase your motivation, allow you to visualize the future of both directions. And then you're getting down to like tracking every day. Like what is that? Or every week, are you staying on track with that? And how's that going? And is this effective? And it's like, there's all of these nuance and details to it that allow you by the end of it to be like, Oh yeah, I could do these small individual things. And if I do that, the whole thing lines up in order to, allow me to achieve the outcome that I'm after. And then yeah. you change your view of who you are as a, you work on changing your view of who you are as a person in order to allow you to not have that, you know, internal resistance to it as well. There's like all of these different angles and aspects to it that by the end of it, it's not easy, but it's now practical and manageable, which allows you to on achieve a consistent basis. That's yeah. the thing. It's not like a boost of motivation, but it's consistent because there's less friction to go through. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, first I appreciate like... it. <laughs> appreciate the rare compliment, John. But I think on a high level, like that's what I've seen that most programs they tell you, okay, you have to clarify the goal. Then, for example, what you need to do it. But then that's where they leave you. And like, if mm -hmm. we were computers, that'd be great. But we have to take account into the into account the human factor. 
And that's why I call it the emotional fortitude. If you can have the clarity on what you want, the game plan to achieve it, and you have the emotional fortitude to actually act on it and see the world for what it is, that's when it all comes together and you can win. And that's why I think this stuff is so important. Like to be truthful, if I didn't have to do the first two parts and I could just get into the emotional fortitude, that'd be awesome. But what I've found that's really helpful for most people is that they first have to get clear on what they want, then reverse engineer a game plan, because then it really flushes out what's the constraint. Mm -hmm. what emotional or mental block is actually going to stop you from doing what you want to get to where you want to get to. And that's how you also like touch on therapy. That's why it's different because we're not just going all over the place for 10 years. We're saying, this is something you want to achieve. There's the life you want to have. Okay. This is the business you need to build. Okay. These are the actions you need to take. What's going to be stopping you from doing these things. Cause that's 80, 20. That'll give you that happy life, happy business and so on. But again, I appreciate the rare compliment. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like I'd never say anything nice, but I just realized that was a very like, Oh, you know, very high yeah, praise. I appreciate so. it. I appreciate <laughs> it. Um, is there anything else that you want to cover for today? Anything that you want to say, this is something that really helped me. Maybe if somebody's listening and they're going through this kind of thing, they should do this. It would really help them. Any kind of the processes, things that you want to share? One thing is it's very easy when you're stressed to get into the belief that there's two options. Either I go and I, you know, in my case, you know, beat myself up in order to work really hard, or I'm a failure. Like it's very easy to kind of get into that mindset. Binary. And there's always a hundred options. There's always different ways of looking at it and different approaches. And it's hard to see those things necessarily on your own. Um, but if you work on it and you go through the process and you think about it and you get input from other people and you, um, you know, whether you go through tomorrow's arena program or you go work with, um, friends and masterminds, whatever, and trying to figure this kind of stuff out. It's like, there always is different ways of doing it. I think that's one part. Another thing for me is really starting to understand this, the importance of this concept of like zone of genius from Dan Sullivan, the, the, what is your way of doing things that is going to get much better results is it's really massive and it's not a small project to start to kind of uncover this, but there's certain ways that you can work or certain ways that you can do things or certain business models that work for you that will just be, it's not that it's a bit better. It's going to be way, way better. And really once you start to understand that there is this potential, there are other options and some of them will be incredible and you could actually get a huge amount out of it it's almost like having that perspective then allows you to go, well, let me go look for it. That's actually worth going to try and find it. And I feel like I'm still on this journey and I'll go back through this again many times, I'm sure, but it's, it's very freeing and it's, it's, yeah, it's awesome. I want to say this. I think what you're saying as far as there's more than one than two options, either be yourself up or do this. I'll say it like this. I think, it's the easier, more available option to just say, this is how reality is. Let me work through that, through that lens. What's mm. more difficult and more challenging is to say, wait, do I have an obstructed view of reality? Is the reason why I'm not able to complete those OODA loops very fast is because I can't even orient myself correctly. That requires people to have the courage to take a step back also and say, wait, could this not be true? Is something going to have to change about how I view the world and how things are? And I think that would be the biggest question that I pose to listeners is, are you trying to beat yourself up 
to just go harder and just go through how you currently view the world? Or are you willing to actually use that effort that you're going to use anyway to perhaps challenge your lens of how you view the world and how you orient yourself? Because that's what's going to give you a lot longer term results that are more sustainable. It's not like you're pushing yourself and then you get exhausted, but you just create an internal environment with John said, but it's less friction inside of it. So you can succeed more on a consistent basis. Would that be a good takeaway, John? Second, how you feel? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. So aside from that, guys, I want to thank John again for doing this, for being on. It's awesome seeing your success, man. Super happy for you. And yeah, appreciate you doing this, man. And I will see you guys next week. Thank you for listening to the Emotional Fortitude Podcast. Please tell a friend if you enjoyed it and found value in it. Three last things before you go, though. If you feel like someone else with your exact skill set and abilities could be accomplishing more than you currently are, that's a mindset and emotional access issue. And here are three ways I'd love to help you conquer any internal limitations, go big, and win. One, three quick ideas Tuesday newsletter. It's a weekly email with three quick ideas around one aspect of elite performance and how to approach it differently to get better and faster results. People say it's the most thought-provoking and impactful two minutes they spend in their inbox each week. It's easy to sign up to and easy to cancel, and you can sign up at edamumryan.com slash three ideas. Two is the Emotional Fortitude Micro Course. It will help you build the emotional fortitude and confidently tackle any goal. It's the complete, nothing held back, emotional fortitude system in five simple parts. It's all under five minutes each module. See it, use it, and win. And it's completely free at edamumryan.com slash course. And number three, lastly, if you want to dive in and aggressively level up, the Arena Mindset Accelerator might be for you. It's a six-week intense sprint for entrepreneurs who are up for a dramatic transformation. It's an interactive live program where you'll be working with me in a very hands-on way to get clarity on what you want, build an effective mindset to optimize for your goals, and establish elite emotional fortitude that would allow you to overcome any fear or doubt that could get in your way. You can learn more at edamarmorani.com slash accelerator. You can find all of these links in the show notes below or go to itamarmorani.com and have a look around. Until next time, who dares wins.